Pourtant j'étais riche et bohème Claquant ma thune à l'envie Hello and welcome to the podcast. We are the Moto Noobs. I'm Trent. I'm here with Amanda. Hi. And we are here to cover round five of the 2017 MotoGP Championship in Le Mans, France. Now, before we get to the really exciting show we've got lined up for you, we do have to start with some bad news. Yes. Unfortunately, one of the motorcycle greats in our day and age, Nikki Hayden, um, passed away today. Um, he... I should note that we are recording this on the Monday following the race. True. Um, he was in involved in a, an, a bicycling accident in Italy, which is where the previous um, World Superbike races were being held. And he was hit by a car and su- um, suffered severe brain tr- trauma and wasn't able to recover. Yeah, really, really great guy. We were lucky enough, even though we are the motor noobs, so we're new to following the sport, we were lucky enough to see him filling in for an injured Danny Pedrosa on a couple of occasions last season. And just a fantastic character, great human being. And yeah, he's been racing in World Superbike uh, mostly for the last few years, and he is sorely missed. Yes, um, a lot of the... I, I've been really impressed with... Um, the community, the sense of community and um, that the motorcycling world has when this when tragedy strikes, because there's been tweets of support and posts on Instagram and Facebook and all over social media of we support you and um, just every the, several riders during the race had either before the race, they had a, a poster with saying, we're thinking of you, or um, I know some of the races ha- racers had st- decals on their helmets or their bikes with the number 69, which is Nikki Hayden's number, and just to show their support to the family and to Nikki. And um, one of the things I loved was that uh, they said in, the, in one of the press conferences they were um saying that they that Nikki Hayden was a great writer and was especially the best guy ever he always had a smile and was just always one to um be in a good mood around the paddock one thing we should bring up um one of the reasons the other reason we like him so much in addition to him being an incredibly likable guy is he is the last real american in this great international motorsport, he was the world champion in 2006. And if you want to see some great racing, go back and watch that. He managed to go toe to toe with Valentino Rossi in his prime and snatched the championship away from him. Really a fantastic rider and a great representative of these great United States. Definitely. And in researching his career for this podcast, I learned some things that were kind of surprising to me. Um, so he's Nikki Hayden, the Kentucky kid from US of A, and he started just in on the dirt track. And he was in um, the American Superbike for a, a few years before moving to World Superbike for only one year. And where he really didn't have a stellar career that year, he came in 26th and um, 
like didn't win any races that year, but he still was invited. He was such a stellar racer, I'm guessing, that he was invited to join Honda um, in the MotoGP circuit. Um, and then he was... Wait, so he went straight to the factory team? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then he was there for five years, which was during that time. Um, he was... Um, a few of those years, he was teammates with Valentino Rossi at Honda. And um, he won the... two, Like you said, he won the 2006 World Championship from the last race. Um, he was going into the last race of the season... He was eight points behind Valentino Rossi, and um, I think he came in third that race and ended up winning the championship. And it just, that was kind of his um, his career, where he didn't have the most wins, but he had, he was a consistent rider where he would finish races and was still able to um, pull out you know, points for a championship and for, and he had championships in, um, world Superbike, No, in American Superbike, And actually he was the youngest, um, championship at that time or champ champion at that time. Um, so just kind of a cool career of really being consistent and just a good rider. Yeah. Great guy. Awesome riding style. And he will be surely missed. Definitely. That, that being said, the rest of the paddock definitely took his injury to heart. At the time of the race, he had not yet passed. He was still in the hospital in critical condition. And every single rider out there vowed to put on a show is their way of sort of supporting him. And, man, did they deliver. <laughs> that is an understatement. Um, let's start off, let's, uh, let's do this a little bit backwards. Let's talk about the results and the points, and then we'll talk about how we got there, because that's all we really want to do is rabbit hole a little bit. Um, Maverick Vinales has a firm hold on the championship right now with 85 points. He wound up winning the race. Um, Danny Pedrosa is 17 points down with 68, uh, followed by Rossi with 62. You'll notice his points didn't change at all from the previous race, and we'll talk about how that happened. Uh, then Marquez, who's 27 points down. Big difference from the end of the last race where 10 points separated Rossi from Vinales, from Marquez, from Pedrosa. So much, much wider spread there. And somehow it all manages to hinge around a guy <laughs> on a junior varsity Yamaha, the Tech 3 Yamaha ridden by the Frenchman Johan Zarco at his home Grand Prix. It was definitely his home Grand Prix. And in a lot of his interviews, he m mentioned that the fans just were such a great support and motivation to him to do his best. So yeah, I, he, I think, oh, I think his, you know, being the home, his first home race of being in the Moto G, in the GP class, really helped him kind of pull it out of the bag. I guess. I mean, he's been putting on a show race after race since the beginning of the season. I mean, remember, he led the first five laps at the Qatar Grand Prix in the first race of the season. First time he's been on a GP bike in a race, and he goes out and leads. He mugs Rossi more than once. The guy's just got no fear. And so with that in mind, there was some high hopes for the guy, but uh, it was hard to say how things were going to go. 
but it all really came to a head in the qualifying. He wound up in the first qualifying session, was not able to pass straight through to Q2. And from the beginning, after his first, I want to say his second flying lap, he set fastest lap of qualifying one three times in a row before Danny Pedrosa came and placed a very solid P1 uh, with a 132.4. Then, after the time ends, remember, this is qualifying, so if you cross the line and start a new lap when the time goes out, you get to finish your lap. Um, so after that, on these buzzer beaters, you get uh, Andre Davizioso comes out, takes P1 away from Pedrosa, knocking him into P2. That's okay. Pedrosa is still going through to the second qualifying session. It's all good. Then Zarco comes in and bumps Pedrosa. Last second. Seriously, he crossed the line like four seconds left in qualifying, and he had one last shot, makes it through to Q2. Crazy. Poor Danny Pedrosa. The guy wins the last race, and now he's stuck starting this race in 13th place. Not the greatest place for him to be. Yeah, he was not very happy about that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would have been furious. He had a good time, too. Uh, Zarco only nudged him out by, like, a tenth of a second. If that, I think it might have been five hundredths. Um, then in Q2, he doesn't even go out for most of the session. He sits there in his pit, doesn't change tires, goes out for Q2 on the same tires he ran in Q1, uh, that soft, soft combination that he seemed to favor this weekend. And, uh, let's see here. He waits half the session to go out. Uh, Crutchlow winds up bumping him. And then, again, he pulls out another one of those buzzer beater laps. Uh, I should, I should mention that, um... Maverick Vinales wound up with a very solid first place with the fastest lap all weekend uh, for a pole position. For, so great job, Maverick. And then Valentino Rossi. But Johan Zarco and Cal Crutchlow were fighting for that third place on the spun front row. Crutchlow had it pretty solid. And again with the buzzer beater lap, after the clock is done ticking down, Johan Zarco comes in with another 132-2. And lo and behold, Cal Crutchlow is in fourth place. So you get this guy on the Tech 3, the satellite Yamaha, starting on the front row after starting all the way down the timesheets in Q1. Mm-hmm. Really spectacular stuff, and always with the last second flying laps. Very fantastic. Great ride from him in qualifying. Well, so in one of the, speaking of the soft tires, in one of the um, press conferences, someone asked him if they had dropped off like most people thought they would. And he said that he was just able, they they were what he was comfortable with and he was able to manage the tires enough that, um, and the, I guess by the time they had the race, it wasn't as hot. Um, and so he was able to manage the tires really well. It seemed to work out for him through most of the race. He didn't start dropping off for a very long time. But let's talk about the race. <laughs> oh, so much happened. Uh, everything you could have wanted in a race happened. Not quite. I still still am missing. I've still got a few things on my bingo card for this season that haven't happened yet. Well, that's because other things happened, Trent. That's true. A lot of other <laughs> great things happened. Because I, I know what you want to see. <laughs> that scrap between Marquez and Vinales. I still haven't got it. Yeah. Anyway, all Yamaha front row. Crutchlow was leading uh, Honda in uh, fifth place. Or, or, no, I'm looking at the final stuff. I'm not looking at qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my qualifying? Yeah, it's over Crutchlow here. was anyway, in Crutchlow fourth. Crutchlow started in fourth. So Crutchlow was representing Honda in fourth place. And then Marquez. Then followed by Marquez. 
Uh, Marquez did have a crash halfway through Q2 that sort of threw him off and messed up his pace a little bit. Um, so yeah, that all Yamaha front row. Vinales does get the whole shot in turn one, but the Le Mans Grand Prix circuit is a little bit weird. Usually, the guy getting the whole shot into turn one is able to make a run for it, but here, for some reason, it's turn three. Now, Vinales gets the run into turn one, but then Zarco snaps back at him and snatches the lead away from him in turn three and just runs away from it. Mm -hmm. And it's Qatar all over again. He leads the first six laps. He actually said in most of the interviews I listened to, he said um, that he kept having flashbacks of to Qatar and thinking, having to remind himself, okay, don't do the same mistake. Okay, the like calm down, just keep your head in, and don't crash, basically, which I thought was... Um, I'm liking seeing that he's a newer writer to this class because that is kind of something that you'd be like, oh, I made it. Wait a second. I got to back off or something. Yeah, It's weird to think that about him because he really handles that machine like a seasoned pro. Oh, definitely. Um, But he's very classy, I guess, is the best way to say it, where he just... He's aggressive, but he's also willing to learn. I don't think aggressive quite does it justice. He's not as wild as Mark Marquez, but that might just be because of the buttery smooth nature of the Yamaha. But more than once, he's mugged Valentino Rossi. Oh, yeah. Just mugged the guy. And it's no respecter of persons there from him. Um, a lot of great stuff. Those opening laps were pretty, pretty exciting. I mean... In the opening lap, we had Avaro Bautista crash out, um, but we'll talk more about the satellite Ducatis later. Um, yeah, a lot of fun there. That opening group of those three Yamahas was really trying hard to get away, and it kind of got some daylight, but never really made ran away from the rest of the pack, mm -hmm. especially when you had Mark Marquez trying so hard to hunt him down, and he was closing. He was closing for quite a while. Um, well, he had the fastest lap in um, in several of, no, in just lap seven and lap 12. That's true. There was a, that was a lot of fun while watching the race to see fastest lap trade from rider to rider. Mm -hmm. Marquez said it several times. Vinales said it several times. Zarco said it several times. Um, surprisingly, usually with tire degradation, uh, there's not enough fuel being burned off to counteract the effect of the tires. So usually the laps kind of seem to level out. Whereas this race, they only got faster and faster and faster as the race progressed, with Maverick Vinales setting the fastest lap of the race on the final lap, which never happens. I thought that was so cool. He was really proud of that. He should have been. He said it was he that it was it was really nice to do the fastest lap on the last lap. Oh yeah. Anyway, back to the flying Frenchman. So he manages to lead for the first six laps. Finally, Maverick gets past him, and now Zarco is sandwiched between two factory Yamahas of Maverick Vinales out front and the doctor Valentino Rossi in third. He holds on to second all the way through lap 22 of the 28-lap race, and I should mention that he stays just right on Vinales' tail up through lap 20. His gap was less than half a second that entire time. He was... Um... He he said it was really easy to follow Mark or Vinales and to match his speed, just with whatever their conditions were or whatever. 
Um, however, they're... Well, th- they are on more or less the same machine, I guess. That's true. Um, but he said it was it was pretty... Not easy, but it was... He was able to ke- keep the pace, even though it was so fast. I should take the opportunity to point out that when all the cameras were pointing at the stands, there was a lot of French flags that read Zarco for president. <laughs> And I don't blame them. There's all kinds of crazy election things going on in France right now. I've just kind of seen on my newsfeed lately. Don't entirely understand it, but it sounds like there's some pretty big shakeups happening in the French government. And uh, it sounds like they've found their new candidate. Uh, well, they already had their uh, election, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. Too late. <laughs> little, too little, too late. Next, next election. Zarko for president. The flying Frenchman, he was out there doing great things. But to stay right on Maverick Vinales' tail when Vinales is obviously in rare form Mm -hmm. for, what was that, 14 laps straight? Something like that. That is hugely incredible. Um, Rossi finally got past him on lap 22. And that's kind of when the fun started. Oh, yeah. I was on the edge of my seat for that. It was quite exciting just to see. It was one of the best races this season only because Rossi was finally competitive. And this is the Rossi we've seen several times last year. And he's kind of not been there this year yet. Well, he hasn't had a reason to. I mean, that's why he's the doctor. He figures it out. He thinks his way through. He strategizes. And just to get in and brawl, that's not his style. But man, when he wants to, he keeps Oh, yeah. Go toe-to-toe. I, I loved that the commentators kept saying, like, he's not settling for second place this time. Like, that he's really fighting for it. Because he, he just pushed so, 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 so hard. <laughs> and Maverick he, Vinales was pushing as well. Oh, yeah. we There was... They were both going very fast. I'm going back to my lap-by-lap notes here. Let's see. Rossi passed Zarco, turn three on lap six, or six laps to go. Um, Rossi sets fastest lap, five laps to go. Uh, Rossi sets fastest lap again, four laps to go, four tenths of a second. So he was just getting closer and closer after um, Zarco's tires kind of started to drop off. He was running the softer tires, which gave him a lot of speed at the beginning and through the midsection of the race, which everyone was expecting them to drop off before then, but. Yeah, after about lap 20 was when Zarco's tires, he was holding up uh, Rossi until he broke past. Um, then, yeah, from there, with just three, two, one lap to go, Rossi pounced and went at it. Uh, Rossi managed to pass with three laps to go on turn three. That seems to be that favorite passing point here at this track. Vignales comes back right away, but it doesn't stick. Rossi is leading, has a daylight gap. Then Vignales messes up a bit, cuts... Gets the corner, but nothing penalty-wise. Only because he lap. took, he realized what happened and got off the yeah. throttle. Yeah, Vinales is trying so hard to catch Rossi, who's leading the race. Rossi messes up, goes wide. Vinales takes P1. And then turn 11, Valentino Rossi crashes out when they're just wheel-to-wheel. He just lost the, ba- the back end. Oh, he lost the back. Yeah, he said it was a really strange crash that he he just not even sure what happened. But that's him. You know, that's him being evas or you know vague all the time. <laughs> honestly, all of his skill aside, I don't know if it's humanly possible to be able to tell what's going on when you're so busy going toe to toe 
with another racer like that. True. Maybe if you're just out on your kind of on your own on track doing your Zen thing, you can say, oh, well, the, the rear kind of did this. But I think if you're focused on that other rider and trying so hard to get through, I don't see how. And granted, I'm not a racer, so I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I just have a hard time visualizing someone saying, well, yes, the rear suspension rebounded strangely and it caused this chain reaction. Well, but the teams <sighs> all have that, like their specs and stuff that they keep track of. So they might sometimes be able to tell what's going on, but maybe I'm sure it just know. was he was pushing really hard and, and wasn't paying attention. I'd love to see that telemetry. But yeah, last lap, turn 11. It, and even with all that ugh. fighting and passing back and going back and forth, Vignales still still sets the pass, fastest lap. How fast would he have gone if there wasn't for all that craziness going back and forth? Yeah. That was... Oh. Yeah. I about stood up. I, 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 I jumped up and down when that happened. I was so sad for Rossi. I am a huge Rossi fan this season, which is kind of funny because I wasn't last season yeah that's true last season for us valentino rossi and i know all of his fans that hear this are gonna hunt us down and throw things at us but last year only he seemed only a trend like i like him us. now yeah uh <laughs> yeah he seemed a little bit like sort of the, your darth vader character to some of the other writers and now it's uh i don't know i'm liking the equality it's really really fun to watch and i do love that he put on a show and i feel so terrible for the guy yeah because he was leading the championship by two points, and now he's just got that massive deficit. Yeah, he's down 27 points now. Um, Not 27, pulling it up here. No, it is. Um, 23. Pedrosa is down 17. Marquez is down 27. Oh, I had the two swapped. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. As usual, you are right. That's because I re that was my turn to take notes on these things. <laughs> True. Um, speaking of Marquez, guy crashed out lap 17. He was closing. He was coming close. He was setting fastest lap after fastest lap and then gone. So now Marquez is more than a win behind Maverick Vinales, and the chase is on. They're going to be getting more and more desperate. I think we saw that from Rossi in this last race. He wouldn't have... If he felt a little more secure in his points lead, he probably would have settled for second and taken the points, but I don't think he had that in him yesterday. Mm, he no. wanted that win. He needed that win for whatever reason, and he was going for it, and it just wasn't meant to be. Well, something else we haven't mentioned is it was Yamaha's 500th win. That's right. So Maverick Vinales's name went down in the history books of... The winner of the 500th win so that might have had something to do with it as well yeah i did not make the connection that's absolutely right how weird would it have been if the 500th yamaha win was the satellite <laughs> because we were all hoping it was johan zarko that would have been pretty say, cool <laughs> it would have been pretty cool but i gotta say i feel so bad for maverick vinales in this which is weird to say because he got pole position, so he won qualifying. He won the race. He led the majority of it. He set fastest lap of the race. He did everything right. And yet we he's just almost completely forgettable because of the craziness with Rossi, with Zarco, Marquez crashing out. And Pe so much and stuff Pedrosa. happened that Oh yeah, Pedrosa. Which thing with Pedrosa? Well, his whole thing of starting at thirteenth and finishing third. Oh, yeah, that was a huge deal. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, oh, 
you'll love this. <laughs> in his um, in his interview, post-race interview, he said, I'm really glad for the gift Rossi gave me to make me third. Because he was sitting in fourth and Rossi crashed out. Yeah, he out. was never going to catch that lead group. No. No, he wasn't. The lead group had enough of a gap that they were pretty well off. Marquez was kind of bridging it until he was gone, and then yeah, you well, had so space. he after his little tiff with um, uh, Crutchlow, it... where he passed into fifth. Um, that was a scary little bit, though. I mean, yeah, he and, and, and Crutchlow bumped. Uh, Crutchlow drops back. It was oh man. Yeah, and they did say that. Um, Crutchlow's kind of answer to that was, I left the door open and I tried to close it and he was there. Um, and, and which makes sense. Um, and Pedrosa even said it wasn't his intention to bump him, but it just happened. And it was, cl I guess, clean enough that there was no race. I haven't heard anything about like a fine no. or anything. Um, but yeah, because Mark Marquez crashed out, um, that put Danny Pedrosa into fifth, and then no, that put him into fourth, and then when R Valentino Rossi crashed out, that put him into third. So he's kind of lucky. One thing, and I would have to go back and look at race data this because I have a list here. I've got a list of all the people that did not finish the race, all the ones that were not classified, and I wrote down why they're not classified. And this is an order of the one of how quickly they went out of the race. So the first one was out on lap one, and then it ends with Rossi, who went out on the last lap. Uh, Alvaro Bautista crashed on lap one. Hector Barbara, mechanical issues. Uh, Carol Abraham, mechanical issues. Scott Redding, mechanical issues. Uh, Petrucci, mechanical issues. Mark Marquez, crash. Alicia Spargaro, mechanical issues. And Valentino Rossi had a crash. Yeah. I should point out that with the exception of Alicia Spargaro on the Aprilia, all those other mechanical issues were satellite Ducatis. So both Octopramac Ducatis, um, one of the uh, Poland Bear Ducatis, uh, the Carol Abraham had the mechanical, the other was Alvaro Bautista, and he crashed. Um... Oh, the only satellite Ducati to finish was Loris Baz in ninth. No, Jack Miller. So, no, he's he's Honda. Yeah, Miller's Honda. He's on Mark VDS. Never mind. Okay, yeah, I know. It's easy to mix up. <laughs> I often, yeah, the the blue thing throws me off. Um, well, I know Jack Miller um, commented that Danilo Petrucci's machine was um, spraying oil on him. Ooh, and so, that's terrifying. yeah, so he kind of waved him that he needed to, to leave. <laughs> yeah. And and that's when he um, exited the race. So I'm looking at some notes here and I'm trying to see. Yeah, we had at least two of, no, three of the bikes in front of Danny Pedrosa wound up retiring. So, no, not, actually, no, just two. Loris Baz finished, but you had uh, Carol Abraham and Scott Redding both wound up out of the race. Marquez was out of the race, 
and Rossi was out of the race. So that's four places right there to help him out. But still, coming from 13th, that's a Herculean achievement from Danny Pedrosa. Yeah, he said he he laid awake the night before um, trying to figure out how he was going to get through that first chicane. Um, oh, gosh. From thir- Turn three that took out everybody. 13th place. <laughs> And so that's Can you he... imagine being in the middle of that crazy pack and going into the first lap? Yeah. And so he just said he just focused really hard on on making as clean of a race as he could and just getting through that first chicane as cleanly as possible. And it worked. Yeah. Staying on the bike yields results, that's for sure. I, I wonder if I know he has a riding coach this season and I wonder if that's helping as well. Like helping improve his technique a little bit couldn't hurt i mean in any case it's certainly something's doing favors for him because the guy's running second in the championship yeah yeah uh behind uh maverick vignales trailing by 17 points which is not a small number but it's smaller than anybody else's that's true and it's within a, a win it is within a win and as we have seen vignales is not crash proof no he can go without finishing a race although it seems like Rossi is doing that a little bit more, maybe. No, he's been finished. He's been consistent this season. It's Marquez is the one that's been crashing out. Mm-hmm. Marquez and Davizioso, I think, are the big victims of not quite finishing races when they really should. This race was really interesting to me that it really only came down to the first, like the top five people in that are like, that's where all the stories are. Where we're not even talking about Iannone, we're not talking about really anybody else. <laughs> or like well, Lorenzo. Oh yeah, we should uh, mention Lorenzo wound up in sixth place at the end. He was not having a great weekend. He did not qualify well. He was in Q1, didn't make it out of there, didn't make that great of a showing, so real bummer. Especially after he, he showed that great glimmer of hope last uh, race in Jerez where he wound up on the podium. Well, he so. did say that the the pace was okay and he was just consistent in the race, so he was happy to just finish. Totally, definitely a lot of development. And there was also a lot of the racers, several of the racers, I'll say, commented about um, one of their hands going numb or like having a problem with um, their right hand. And I'm guessing that's because it's such a left, right is it a right turn heavy track? I mean, it's a clockwise track, so it should be more right than left. Yeah. But at least three of them mentioned something about, like, well, I couldn't really feel my right hand at the moment, at like halfway through or something. Actually, no, that wouldn't make sense. More right turns means you push with the right handlebar, you know, counter steering a motorbike. And those things have so much speed and uh, rotational inertia on that front wheel that, yeah, they're going to be pushing real hard with their right hand yeah. going into those left turns. Yeah. So um, it's also, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe uh, the Le Mans GP circuit, I believe Formula One goes there, and that's going to contribute to some major bumpiness in those corners. Oh, that's right, because they're on, just, they're on yeah. the, the new surface. They had the new surface. Oh, that's surface. true. You're right. Brand new surface. So scratch what I said about F1. Even if F1 does go there, GP got MotoGP got there first. Mm-hmm. So none of the weird F1 weirdness that sometimes shows up at other tracks. Um, usually those Formula One cars have so much downforce from those massive wings that they just really ripple the asphalt. 
And so it seems like a lot of the time when they're complaining about a really bumpy track, that's one of the causes is just those really, really, really fast cars at these great big famous circuits. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> um, let's see. Other things to mention. KTM. Both their riders were in Q2. They got the fast to Q2. Yeah. And they wound up finishing in 12th and 13th. So good job for them, Paul Spargo and Brad Smith. So oh. for KTM, improving. And Sam Lowe's finally got points. He did. You're right. For Aprilia. <laughs> well, to be fair, everyone that finished got points. Yes. And he did Including... not finish last. Including the sub for Suzuki. Uh, for Alex Frenchman. Rins. Yeah, yes. suffering for Alex Rins. Uh, blah, 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 Gintilly. I, what's his first name? I don't know. Sylvian. Sylvian Gintilly. I don't know how to say that. But he subbed in and he successfully finished the race. So good on him. But yeah, everybody who finished got points. That's how many people retired. I'm sure there were some... I don't know. Were those... I feel like, because I know the teams have a certain allotment of engines per season, uh, the satellite teams, I want to say they get more engines than the factory teams because they don't have all the R&D and development and such. Um, but I could be wrong on that. I think that's and true. I, when I was digging through the rules last year. But they, I do know that they have a certain quota that they're not allowed to exceed of the number of engines used in a season. And it sounds like that all those Ducati teams were using their engines and trying to make sure they used them up. And did they use them up? They all just kind of ran out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that is a really, really scary thought, especially because Ducati re-signed with pretty much all these teams to keep being their bike supplier for the next couple of years. Yeah, which <laughs> that's a way to prove that they made a good, oh, good, we signed everything. We can break down now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not that that's, that's what really happened. <laughs> no, it's just I, these. Okay, so when you're making a race engine, you know you did it exactly right if it does a great job and then breaks down immediately after crossing the finish line. Yes. Because that means you've minimized weight. You've got as much of everything out of it as you can. It's run itself ragged, and it lasts exactly as long as you need it to, and then it dies. Yes. Any more um, robustness? comes at the cost of weight, speed, power, revability, all those things that we love in these race engines. And that's why they have an allotment of them. They're not going to go through just one motor in the season. They're going to go through several because they're high-strung, super-twitchy, sensitive, Swiss watch, being lit on fire kind of engines. Well, they're going 200 miles an hour at top speed of the race, not consistently, but they're going, they're pushing it really hard. Oh, speaking of 200 miles an hour, somebody <laughs> had a little bit of fun in um, Free Practice 4. Oh, is that Jack Miller? Oh, yes, it was Jack Miller. If not for the Rossi crash, that would be the one that everyone was still talking about. But in Free Race, that's all anyone could talk about. That's all the replays. Jack Miller on the Mark VDS satellite Honda in Free Practice 4 had the biggest crash. Yes. How... Yeah. He was happy to walk away from that. He he commented about that he was just he was okay just happy to finish the race like and to walk away cuz he was so lucky from that. Honestly, forget happy. He should have been thrilled. I mean, I know he was less than excited about his race finish, but the guy was just 
you must have been so sore after that. Oh, yeah. Because the bike high-sided and low-sided at the same time. When and it then hit high the sided wall. Again, it threw it off and then t- scooped him up with it as it ran into Ugh. the wall. It was so nasty. And yeah. then to see him just stand up afterwards, I mean, he did something right. He's got guardian angels, but we've also got to give credit to the guys making those race suits. Definitely. Man, safety gear has come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It was just terrifying. (laughs) So much clenching going on. And so we're really grateful that Jack Miller was not injured because he won a race last year, and I would love to see him win another one. Don't know if that'll happen, but it's impossible to tell, which is why we're doing this podcast. Wasn't that the same spot that Marquez crashed out? Uh, Yeah, turn three, I believe. Mm -hmm. Just that big turn. It's... Like I said, usually it's you got the hard turn one coming after the long straight. This one, it kind of is a much more gentle turn. So you're carrying all that speed from pit lane straight when you get into turn three. And that's the first real hard turn of the race. That's where you make those hard braking maneuvers. That's where you beat people under braking. That's where you do all those things. But that's also where you screw up carrying the most speed. That's true. That's true. So let's see. We've talked about Marquez's big crash. We... Talked about missing the great Nikki Hayden. Um, we talked about everyone breaking down and crashing. We <laughs> talked about Maverick Vinales being amazing and no one noticing. Uh, KTMs. I think we've covered m- most of our stuff. Anything else that you want to talk about while we're still pretending to be on the air? I don't. I don't think so. I think that was all of our list. Well. But- so uh, again we always have to say this we are not part of the media we are just two fans who like to geek out who like to fangirl out over yes thank you um that's my fangirl noise (laughs) um over motorcycles and moto gp because it's awesome yeah the excitement the drama it is all very very real oh one thing that we should mention couple of things we should mention uh and i'm pulling out my phone right now because i forgot to write down the dates for this ahead of time but we've got a couple of big non-moto gp events happening in the world of motorsport coming oh, yes. up very quickly we have isle of man tt which i believe is on the 28th i'm, I'm looking it up right now oh yes uh begins on the 27th and ends on the 9th of june so yes. that's the, uh, I know it's an entire week of crazy zany people in a rock in the North Atlantic going very quickly on motorcycles. Great stuff. Uh, definitely follow that. It's a whole different style of riding, and these guys are just insane. Oh, yeah. If you haven't watched any clips of it, or there's some really cool um, documentaries on Netflix and Amazon about like the Dunlop brothers that are really cool about Isle of Man TT. Yeah, and they're they're like I said, they're a different breed, and that's the last one of these races that's really road really racing dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it is terrifying stuff. The things they're doing. Um, also, because you know we're at Limon right now. <laughs> uh, we have to say that the ne- that we one. have to mention the twenty four hours of Limon. It's not a motorcycle race; it's a car race. It's happening on. It starts on uh, Saturday, June seventeenth, and it goes for twenty four hours through june 18th 
It's a lot of fun to follow. I usually like to jump in and out of it, following updates on Twitter and other things. The only thing I use Twitter for all year is to get updates for the 24 hours. <laughs> Fantastic stories. It's all of the the drama and tension of And there's always a whole rain. Season. Oh, it always rains at Le Mans. Uh, great stuff. And it is not the same GP circuit that we were just following. Rather short circuit here. You had guys running laps in about a minute and a half. There, these guys are doing eight and a half miles in, what is it, three and a half minutes? I think um, so. Really, but it's kind of really cool because they like open it up and then they go out into the like on the highway, don't they? Yeah, it's a closed section of highway. Yeah. Um really, really great stuff. So really legendary stuff in motorsport. Not MotoGP, but definitely worth checking out if you have any inclination at all to see exciting, dramatic things with engines. Even if you uh, just watch like the last two hours. You know, if you just catch the end. You know, yes and no. I feel like a lot of times the the 24 hours, you kind of have it wrapped up more or less towards the end. After all, Not we go to bed year. when they've still got a few hours. Not last year. Last year was a very, very weird <laughs> ending, and there was lots of tears and lots of stares of disbelief. Go look that up. <laughs> if there's not a documentary about it yet, I'm just waiting. <laughs> and if you don't understand it, it's fine. Because that That's was okay. me last year. <laughs> That's why we're the Moto Noobs. <laughs> Definitely. Um, the other thing we need to mention is our next race in June for MotoGP is at Mugello in Italy. It, it is. That's uh, Rossi's hometown, isn't yes. it? Yes. And it'll be on June 4th, I believe. I'm pulling up the calendar. Just double check. Yep. Fourth of June, Gran Premio d'Italia. And then, and then, the and then we off. have, um, no, I believe there's one more race after that. The next we got Sunday. a race on the 4th and then the 11th. So, yes, we've got yeah. two Sundays in a row. Woo-hoo! So, we have two more races before our summer break. Um, just so your, our fans, our listeners, <laughs> know the GP calendar. Um, All right, looking forward to... Uh, Looking forward to chatting with you about the race in Italy. After all, last year, Rossi did show up with a custom helmet where he smashed together the words Mugello and the Italian word for yellow because, you know, he owns the color yellow. And I'm hoping to see... If he was desperate this last race, oh, I cannot wait to see what well, he shows up with next. Especially uh, in... since he didn't finish that one last year. That's right. He had an... A mechanical failure. That was the one where his engine blew up, right? Yeah. Really, really tragic ending for him last year. But, oh, man, I cannot wait to see that light of fire in the room here and, in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And just kind of because it's cool to know sometimes, um, that was our first race watching it. That's true. We saw we started watching. Uh, we watched the Isle of Man last year because it was a cool, exciting thing. And I said, hey, here's some clips of this crazy thing that some... Irishmen are doing probably while drunk. Um, <laughs> one of them is named John McGinnis for crying out loud on his motorcycle. Like it's got the sticker MC and then a picture of the beer. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are the kinds of people we're dealing with here. Real just legends. Um, and so after we, that kind of got us into watching the motorcycle racing, we jumped over to GP because they have better cameras. Oh yes. And well, and then we had to catch up. It was so exciting that it, it was yeah, we watched it religiously from there on out. Yeah. And we're hoping that uh, all of you get to enjoy the same experience with us. Thank you for coming along for the ride. 
feel free to send us any questions, comments, death threats at <laughs> motornoobspodcast at gmail.com. Amanda will receive those, I hope, because I haven't looked at it once since setting it up. Yes, I have I have that covered. Good for you. <laughs> Go team. And, and I think, uh, anything else? I just wanted to kind of close with um, this: the commentator's um, remarks about why GP is so cool. Just to kind of I think it sums up everything. So he was saying that everyone this year has been different in their racing styles or their, or like crashing or doing the unexpected thing. And he said, that's what makes MotoGP so special. You just don't know what to expect. He's absolutely right. I would layer on top of that, just the human element and the drama. And even if you took the racing out of it where we didn't get to watch the racing, if it was just the arguments and the tension and stuff like that, it would make a great soap opera. Oh, definitely. That's why you call it the telenovela I, yep. on wheels. Yeah, the 200-mile-an-hour telenovela in full-body leather. Yes. <laughs> that should be a, a T-shirt. Oh, man. What would, the, what would the commercial look like? I don't want to know. <laughs> I, I really don't want to know. <laughs> oh man, I suddenly have a craving for carne asada fries. Uh, <laughs> well, you go get them, and our listeners can be jealous about that. No kidding. Well, thanks for staying along with us through many, many <laughs> minutes of recording. We'll see how much I can pare this down to in post production. Uh, thanks so much. Again, feel free to send us emails. Check out our sources, uh, the MotoGP website the we use the video pass to watch all the races and recommend you do too because there's a lot of great stuff and stats on there and crash.net uh, is a good source too as well as uh asphalt and rubber those are our mm -hmm. main sources there and if there's any other good ones that you recommend feel free to send them our way thanks for listening and uh take care see you in a couple weeks see ya